30 Nerdy's presenting sponsor and the home of all of the official 30 Nerdy swag is Advertising Expressions. Juice, what would Superman be without the big S on his shirt? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And what about Iron Man? What, what if he couldn't slap that Stark Industries logo on everything? You know, Clark and Tony, they probably go to Advertising Expressions, like us, for all their advertising needs. Oh, yeah. And so should you. And when you need your own symbol, like for work, church, school, a team of super friends maybe, check out Advertising Expressions. They can help you get your name and logo in front of as many people as possible, as often as possible, for as long as possible. That's right. So whether you're a billionaire, playboy, philanthropist, or faster than a speeding bullet, check out Advertising Expressions at advertising-expressions.com. Or give them a call at 423-586-3270. And tell them the nerds at 30 and Nerdy Podcast sent you. What's up, nerds and nerdettes? Welcome to another episode of 30 and Nerdy Podcast. And I'm your host with the most hotter than French toast, coming at you coast to coast. The Duke of Nerds, the sweet tea of the nerdy South, the MAC, Tyler Mack. Joined, of course, by the co-host, the pod father, the juicy one, the juices loose people. When you talk about the doc, you show respect. Dr. Davis, the doctor of nerdonomics himself, the DOC. What's up, Doc? How come you got new nicknames and I got the same old nicknames? You said that last time, and I gave you new nicknames and kept mine. Just now you didn't? No, just now I gave myself new nicknames, but this past time you got It was the same, and then near the end of last year I started giving... I started adding stuff to you, the juicy one, the juice is loose, all that stuff, and kept sweet tea and Duke. And that for me, I am this is the first you know what? <laughs> I'm gonna have to go back and, and check the records on this. I don't recall such things. Check the records. But hello, good to see you. How are you, my good friend? Hey man, I'm tired. I'm freaking tired. <laughs> um I gotta tell you, man, uh, I'm I'm starting to subscribe more to this whole time as a concept thing, because last night I laid my head down, and I know for a fact that I closed my eyes and probably fell asleep around 11, 45, 12 o'clock, and then my alarm rang at seven, and I know for a fact I was not asleep that long. I know for a fact. I don't know where I went. I actually usually can remember dreams. I'm a pretty lucid dreamer. Uh, I don't remember the dreams, but I remember closing my eyes. And the next thing I remember is 7 a.m. My alarm's going off. And I was like, I just put my head down. This sometimes, is impossible. Sometimes it'd be like that. It's insane, dude. And I just felt it all day. I was like, oh, my God, like. Something has to be done about this. <laughs> There's someone I, I am going to write to. a strongly worded letter. 
whoever is in charge of this haberdashery. (laughs) It's it's ridiculous. Haberdashery? (laughs) Okay. Uh, But other than that, man, I... uh, I'm doing another show, and it's called Cry Havoc. It's an original script from Wes Downing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is basically the last step of getting it published. So we're going to treat it just like an actual show. We'll tech it. We'll put sound and all that. We'll have all the rehearsals. We'll have three shows of the thing and all that. But it will kind of be what rent was before it hit off Broadway. It'll be like a workshop show. Yeah. So then after that, it'll become a published show. And on the insert, it'll say original cast. And I'm like, I'm an original cast member. Yeah. I've got, I've got one of those under my belt as well. You do. You do. Yeah. Um, so I'm an original. This is cool. It's yeah. really cool. It, yeah, um, it's really cool. Like you're the first and yeah. only one to do this. Thing. I get to create it, mm-hmm. basically. Like Wes, you know, he's he's also stage managing it. He's he's kind of you know just sitting. Still, he's going to be the tech director, but TJ's directing it. Yeah. But he's been working on this script since Mark McGinley was still alive, and they were best friends, mm-hmm. and so. Took after Mark died in 2016, he just continued working on it. He was like, This is how I'm going to remember him. This is how I've got it. I'm going to move on and be able to be at peace as if I finish Mark's work. So it's great. Uh It's hilarious. We had our first read through last night, and it is every argument we have ever had. (laughs) <laughs> in the script like this is a theater teacher and an english teacher basically arguing shakespeare okay the theater teacher is like you can learn so many things in life from the fights of shakespearean stories so i'm extremely excited it's a great script mm-hmm. it's going to be a lot of fun um but i'm just i'm just glad to be back on stage and uh working with tj again and i can't wait for you to see this show because i can tell you you are going to laugh yeah and you are going to go mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i'm excited to see it i've kind of known about the project for a while yeah. uh didn't realize it was starting so that's really exciting that's yeah. that's great news I'm for that. when's this happening uh we will open april 21st i think april 22nd something like that okay okay some exciting uh events happened uh i guess you'd say we have a, a listener i guess it's safe to say he's a fan we've mentioned him a couple times mr buck allum um who's in the but oh he is yes yeah, my first time getting to do a show with buck great yeah. well uh buck veteran nerd that he is thank you for your service to the nerd army buck um by the way have you ever seen that old john candy movie uncle buck absolutely do you know what i'm talking about yeah, I think we should call him Uncle Buck. I like that. Uh, he sent a gift for us. Did he? Uh, his, his son brought it to me the other day. Uh, we have two Deadpool comic books here. One for me, oh one for you. Gosh. Said that. They are the 30th 
anniversary of Deadpool. So this was a couple years ago or so. And, um, you know, they're very themed towards us because it even says nerdy 30 years. So that was a really cool gift. Thank you. Thank you, Uncle Buck. (laughs) So we will find a, a good home for these to display them proudly. Absolutely. Uh, so uh, some things I wanted to talk about that happened aside from the Super Bowl and this amazing halftime show that 90s and early 2000s Tyler, like th- Maddie saw a completely different side of me during that in- that halftime show. <laughs> the lyrics that I still had up there that I didn't know I still could do, Dre and Snoop Dogg and Eminem lyrics, I mm-hmm. could still see walk perfectly. I felt it the next day because I'm 32 now. But I could still do the dance. <laughs> and I was like, she still wants to marry me. She hasn't changed her mind after seeing that. But uh, after that, then you know she's a dude. Good- it was actually a pretty good story, you know. I mean, I I didn't have a whole hall of fandom behind either team, but it turned out to be a pretty good game. And either way that it turned out would have been a good story in the Super Bowl, no matter who won. So I was like, that's all I really asked for. If my teams aren't going to be in the Super Bowl, I want to see a good game. So it was really cool. The commercials are always a big seller. And speaking of commercials, they made a mistake of dropping (laughs) the Doctor Strange trailer before the game. (laughs) Because all I could think about till till halftime (laughs) was the Doctor Strange trailer. Right, right. I could think about. Yeah, I would sneak away during game moments and watch it again just to see if I could catch something. Um, I remember I texted you and Logan in the group and said, "Oh my God, they dropped the teaser! They dropped the trailer! Freaking Charles Xavier is in!" Mm-hmm. It. And oh my God, dude! Like this is going to be. We were up here after Spider Man. There oh, yeah. may not be a plateau or a mountain that can contain us pretty much thought that the the ceiling had been reached. Right. You know, and for me, it very well could be because it was Spider-Man. Yeah. But there's potential that this could take things a step. further. It's going to be huge, man. I got to be honest. I was kind of surprised about the whole Patrick Stewart thing because I think like he had spoken with them before and he had turned it down and, um, he had kind of said, you know, the ending uh, for Xavier and Logan was sort of a great way to go out, which it was, you know, very poetic, you might say. Uh, So I was surprised. I just didn't expect him to return to this, but I'm so glad that he is. I guess maybe they found a little extra money after Spider-Man. You know, he's handcuffed to being led by these Ultron Joyce, the Illuminati, who we know from the comics, most mostly, the Illuminati is Charles, uh, Superior Iron Man, uh, Reed Richards, Black Bolt, and there's a, a, a possibility that somewhere snuck in there is Deadpool from people who have been breaking down the trailer. Well, it's there's like a the poster with all the shattered glass behind Doctor Strange. There's one that, uh, you know pretty much yeah. hard to deny that that that's Deadpool yeah and I'm always when this 
oh, I think it's this and I think this is this and all that that stuff. I don't pay much attention to it because one, I'd rather just be surprised. And yeah. two, you know, I just these people don't know for sure. So and I don't want to get my hopes up and whatnot. But I feel like this one, to me, at least, it's almost unmistakable. And I, I feel like surely they know people are going to catch that stuff because people analyze every second, every frame, every piece of the picture all day long. So surely they, they knew people were going to pick up on it if that's actually Deadpool. Yeah. And is that really the way you want that to be revealed? You know, I was, I was pretty shocked that they even included the voice of Charles and the Illuminati. Uh, I know you want to use a trailer to draw audiences. Um, but I figured after no way home that you were going to get the audiences uh, with the multiverse yeah. um i thought that that was maybe a surprise that you sh- maybe wanted to wait for uh but again i've seen the trailer six times now and i'm not complaining so we gotta, we gotta leave some stuff as surprises yeah. you know um and lord knows what surprises are still awaiting us i think you, i mean we'll probably see some x-men which we've yeah. talked about already we're hoping for that yeah have you heard this rumor um about daniel ratcliffe maybe being the new wolverine I have heard that that's a dream cast for some people. I've also heard that uh, Jared Kiso has been one. Um, and he's, he's actually a, Canadian. He's so. actually Canadian, so it would be pretty cool. Yeah. And some people even think Tom Hardy, but I'm like, dude, Tom Hardy's done enough comic oh. movies. I don't need Tom Hardy. As no. And he's too old. We yeah. need a younger. We need someone who's going to be around. Long haul. Um, yeah. But I think I've said multiple times on this that the next Wolverine for me as a massive Wolverine fan, like he's my number one Marvel guy, uh, I want something totally different. I don't want to even subtly compare to Hugh. So That's going to be hard to do. It, it's going it's gonna already going to be hard to do, which is why I think the best way to do it and not get those comparisons is give us 5'3", hunched over, rabid, Big black and blue hair, mutton chop, yellow suited Wolverine. Yeah. I think that's what I want to see because I know that the fandom menace, if it's anywhere similar to what we've had as Wolverine, will be all over whoever plays him next. Mm-hmm. Another thing I want oh I wanted to talk about was uh did you see the Lord of the Rings news? The new Amazon trailer? No. No. The Uh, rights for the movies, the Lord of the Rings movie and game rights are for sale for $2 billion. What? Yeah. Yeah. So that's what, New Line? Yeah. The movie and video game rights to Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit are on sale for $2 billion with Amazon first in line to buy. Sure. I mean, you're already doing the first yeah. prequel series. That makes sense. Okay. So it might not be far off as we thought it would be to sadly see a reboot. Oh, surely not. In a series version. Mm. I would be somewhat saddened because it's already perfect and beautiful. And, you know, the number one really 20 years. Yeah, it's only been 20 years. 
So <laughs> I don't know. Man. I hope I think not. Crazy. Um, plus, I was a little. I was like, just two billion. <laughs> it's like, come on, this is a franchise that has made multiple billion dollars. Weren't we talking recently about like Lord of the Rings theme park stuff? Yeah. Yeah. About where would that go? Uh, uh, WB. So like, yeah, it'd be WB. Okay. So wait, what part so is now? That? Amazon could quite possibly own it. And if all that takes place and all the paperwork and all the approval, I would see Lord, you would probably see within the coming years, Lord of the Rings leave HBO Max, be on Amazon, blah, blah, blah. We'd probably see new video games come out, which I'm not. Well, I'm, I'm okay about I'm all for that. <laughs> I really don't need any kind of attempt at redoing anything with the movies i don't either no thanks yeah i'm I'm not the other little thing that i that caught my eye is that netflix will be partnering with 2k and take two to make a movie based on the bioshock series ah it's about time it is way past time (laughs) yeah um as long as they do it justice, man. I mean, that's one of my favorite franchises of games. Uh, I replay through them at least once or twice a year. So good. You better do right by it, or <laughs> that's a fan base you don't want to upset. Yeah. I, you know, there's a lot you can do with that. It's a really cool concept. Mm-hmm. Um, and just like the whole design of those games and the oh, whole, yeah. you know, underwater world or the sky world or whatever they do with it you know that's that'll be really visually interesting so i hope so and i'm you know if that's gonna happen i'll be looking forward to it what's up nerds this is rich from the three fat nerds podcast and you're listening to our council of nerds brethren the 30 and nerdy podcast of course when you're done with this awesome podcast you can check out the three fat nerd podcast wherever you get great podcasts just by searching three fat nerds and if you want all your information about what we do over there you can visit 8122productions.com now let's get back to the 30 and nerdy podcast Uh, so, we have been celebrating Black History Month here at the show. As we said in the last show, uh, it's not just, you know, the shortest month and the year for us to celebrate it. We celebrate all people of all walks of life every day. But we were, each episode this month, we were wanting to pay homage to some of the heroes of color from uh, the two major parties uh in comic book world uh juice brings the marvel i bring the dc uh juice went first last week so i think i'll go first this week uh coming from the dc sector i chose val zod aka the superman of earth 2 created by tom taylor and nicholas scott earth 2 universe's val zod takes over the role of superman from cal l starting in earth 2 number 25 and throughout the earth 2 world's end miniseries 
Balzad was rendered an orphan when his parents were executed by the Kryptonian court, and he later befriended fellow orphan Kara Zorel. He was later among the orphans that were saved from Krypton's destruction by Jor-El and Lyra. During the travels to Earth, Falzad learned about his parents' knowledge about violence being the stupidest way to overcome something, le leading to Valzad becoming a pacifist. When Valzad landed on Earth, he was taken in by Terry Sloan, who offered to protect him from the outside world. Val has had great stories from overcoming his fear of open spaces, mainly from spending so much time in a pod on his way to Earth. He also led the charge against Desaad and Parademons, as well as fought the evil clone of Superman himself. And fun fact, HBO Max has brought in Michael B. Jordan to produce and possibly star in an upcoming series about Valzot. At the end of 2021, writers had been brought on and they're currently in pre-production. It'll be interesting to see um, Michael B. Jordan don another comic book movie. Um, I have read a little bit of Valzod stuff, a little bit of Earth 2 series. Um, it's very interesting stuff, uh, especially the little detail of he spent so much time and even so much time awake in the pod on his way to Earth that when he got to Earth, he, de he had developed a fear of open spaces. Wow. That's, that's pretty cool. You know, okay. playing with a little bit of mental stress and mental disorder. Yep. That makes sense. It's really cool. It's some really cool stuff. Um, I highly recommend if any, anyone hasn't been introduced to Valzad, go search for those Earth 2 miniseries um, and things like that. Uh, and by the sound of it, we're going to be getting him in the mainstream pretty soon. So that'll be pretty cool. What about you, my friend? All right. So this week I have chosen Samuel Thomas Wilson, also known as falcon um some other names that he has gone by are snap wilson uh black wing blackbird and captain america so he was introduced in september 1969 in captain america 117 and he was created by writer editor stan lee and artist gene colon and he is considered the first african-american superhero in mainstream comic books now last week i talked about luke cage who was the first to have his own series but falcon was sort of the first you know big time mainstream character to you know make appearances be in the mainstream and all that so uh i learned a little bit about falcon uh his his childhood and stuff he grew up in harlem and he had this deep affinity for birds he kept uh pigeons and stuff like that he had the largest uh, collection, I guess you'd say, of, of pigeons in all of Harlem. Uh, he grew up with very religious parents, and that caused a lot of conflict. You know, he didn't see things the way they did. Um, so a lot of stuff, uh, a lot of conflict resulted from that. Uh, I believe he went on to be a, a social worker. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He helped and, a lot um, of traumatized soldiers. Right. Uh, of course, we also know that later on, you know, after his uh, run as Falcon. At some point, Captain America, he becomes an old man and he has to pass the mantle on, just like in the movies, just like in the MCU. Um, and that goes to Sam, who becomes the new Captain America. Uh, another cool thing, not necessarily about him, but his family uh, learned that his nephew mm -hmm. 
uh, and Jim Wilson, who was sometimes a, a sidekick to the Hulk, was the first openly HIV positive comic book character, or one of the first. Wow. And I did not know that. So, so one of his nephews in the show, Jim. They included yeah. both nephews in the show. So, yeah, there you go. Wow. And so we had um, Falcon in the MCU, of course. We, we've had him, gosh, for a long time now. He's been Cap in two. since like Cap 2. Is that yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, played On by Anthony left. Mackie, who does a fantastic job. We've had the Falcon Winter Soldier series and, you know, lots more to come. So, and a Cap 4 Falcon. movie. Starring. Anthony Mackie, starring yeah. Jim Wilson. So, yeah. yeah, lots of great things on the horizon. Uh, one of these things that I wanted to talk to you about, and before we started recording, you were reading through the notes, you went, the labyrinth theory. So this was brought to my uh, attention by my manager at work, Brian. Um, and basically, it's someone trying to answer the age-old question of why did David Bowie kidnap uh, a child from jennifer Connolly, um and in all honestly it's such a well thought compelling statement and argument that i personally now subscribe to it as jim henson canon uh so you can't make me change my mind uh so in a long uh in a time long long ago a uh, sorcerer named Jareth fell in love with a girl named Sarah. Sarah's father and stepmother would not let her marry Jareth because they wanted to keep her as a servant to care for their other child. In a fit of rage, Jareth kidnapped this other child and spirited it away to the fairy world. In this new world, Jareth built a palace for this Sarah. He turned the spoiled child into a goblin and kept it to be a servant. Many stories of the fairy world tell us that the movies differently there than in our world Rip van winkle is one of those in the and the in the time it took for jareth to build his kingdom which he may have thought was a little more than a few years sarah the real sarah grew old and died overcome by grief and addled by a lifetime spent in a strange world filled with monsters jareth goes mad he refuses to believe that he has lost his love he searches the mortal world from his castle looking for her Sarah is a Hebrew name, so it is common and has been in use for thousands and thousands of years. It does not take long for him to find a dark-haired girl named Sarah who has a younger sibling and who feels that she is treated unfairly by her stepmother. In a fit of rage, he kidnaps the other child and spirits it away to the, phantom, the fairy world. Perhaps this new Sarah dies in the quest to find the child. Perhaps she wins her sibling back and flees. This is how Jareth becomes the Goblin King. Every goblin in the Goblin City is a child that Jareth has stolen, who was recovered by a Sarah. It is an unstoppable will. So I was like, okay, I like that. All right. If I'm he in. the first child, all the goblins are former children turned into goblins by Jareth. I like this. That's pretty good. And word has it that a sequel is in the works. They're working on a script and Jennifer Connelly is heavily involved. What that sequel will be, how you involve Jareth, 
I mean, we've seen Luke, we've seen Leia, we've seen Tarkin. You can do it. Well, yeah. It is possible to do it. Yeah. But I have also said it countless times on this show, I am of the mind, why touch it? It's a classic. It's, yeah. You know, I got to say that was sort of, as, as you were explaining this whole thing, that was sort of my thought. Like, yeah. yeah. It's, it's been done. Labyrinth was good. I liked it. I quote it. Don't need a sequel, <laughs> especially with David Bowie gone. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. Um, you been watching or playing or? Well, I'll tell you, I we've started watching this. Uh, oh, gosh. Pamela Anderson, Tommy Lee thing. Oh, yeah. You know, Sebastian Stan in it. Um, James. And Lily James and Seth Rogen, who yeah. is incredible and he looks great. I mean, he's probably lost like 50 pounds or something, I'd say. Um, and he's doing like this, like real serious, dramatic acting. Of course, there's a little bit of goofiness because it's yeah. Seth Rogen and that's just, he, that's just him. But I'm, I'm really impressed with it. We have seen like two or three episodes. I think there's like four of them out. Um, and we're really enjoying it. Definitely uh, not for the younger, the younger yeah. ones out there. It's very adult, adult yeah. themes. And if you know anything about Tommy Lee, then, you know, you can imagine. Um, yeah. But I got to say, uh, I'm, and I'm not like a huge Motley Crue fan or anything like that. But there was this Netflix movie called The Dirt that came out a couple years ago, whatever. It was sort of like the, you know, story of Motley Crue. Really enjoyed that movie. Um, Sebastian Stan's playing Tommy Lee in the show, and he's great and everything. But I, I kind of hate to say it, but Machine Gun Kelly, I thought, was a better Tommy Lee. Really? Yeah. You know, my and my personal opinions of Machine Gun Kelly aside, <laughs> he was great in that movie. He really was. So, yeah. uh, you know, just thought I'd throw that out there. I've just been thinking that the whole time, like, yeah, this is cool, but... Sheehan Kelly was better, and I thought he kind of looked more like him. And they're even doing, like, the prosthetic forehead on Sebastian Stan and all this stuff, and there's all kinds of nudity, you know. Uh, and all of that is prosthetics as well, like the Pamela Anderson, her chest and stuff. It's prosthetics and, you know, everything else you can imagine. So What's crazy is when the tr- teaser start, first started coming out for that, it was saying Lily James, and I was like, like Mama Mia 2, Lily James, Cinderella, what? Yeah. I was like, who's she playing? And then and it hit me. I was like, just, I was like, wait, wait, wait. Identical. Identical. To it. <laughs> wait, Unbelievable. What? Yeah. She's doing phenomenal at that part. Yes. The voice and the mannerisms and everything. It's perfect. It's kind of eerie, actually. It really is. And that maybe that's why I have the, the Sebastian Stan thought, like com- comparing the two of them, yeah. she looks like, Pamela Anderson walked onto the screen from yeah. 20 something years ago. Yeah. And Sebastian Stan in comparison, not as much. So yeah. maybe that's something, but it's a great show. I do recommend it. It's really cool to see it play out and all these new eyes, this new generation of eyes brought to that story. Cause we lived that story. <laughs> you know, I don't, I, I didn't know much about that story. Like obviously I knew that they had the tape come out and, and all that stuff. Everybody knows that, but like, the story of how it came to be and all that. I didn't know that stuff. Or if I did, I, I didn't remember it. 
Um, And I don't know how much of it's true and how much has been kind of embellished a little bit just for the sake of storytelling, but it's really a fascinating story. And they really, they have this, it's genius because they start out, you, you kind of feel sympathy for the Seth Rogen character Mm -hmm. and you're kind of led to look at, you know, Tommy Lee, especially is like the villain and all this. And granted, look, I'm not done yet, but things start to kind of shift a little bit at least in my opinion, and you feel a little more sympathy for, for the rock stars and the, and the movie stars and stuff. So really good storytelling, really good writing, really great performances. Um, so highly recommend. Yeah. I, I would recommend too. I've, I've only watched the first two. Um, Cause I've, I've, I'm still so behind on things. Uh, and I stay behind on things because I do things like this. Like I was cruising through prime after uh me and mom finished wheel of time and (laughs) all the jackass all three seasons of jackass from back in the day are a dollar 99 a piece on prime whole season (laughs) per season all season is a dollar 99 a piece are they not on uh, like peacock or anything like that no uh it's on prime and so i bought season one and watched through it and i was like and what's another two dollars? I'll buy season two. And then before you know it, I'm through all three seasons and I've watched every wow. version of the movies that they've released. So wow. I have had a full on jackass marathon in the last week before bed. <laughs> I'm ready to see the fourth one. <laughs> um, but I had forgotten, man, how much spawned off of it. Like Johnny Knoxville, who, you know, his name is where he's from you know it's not his real name i mean he's the pride of knoxville for us um you know (laughs) (laughs) and uh it's just it's just crazy to go back and watch that first season how bad it was like not well put together like there was an entire two-minute segment where somebody was just flicking the little door stopper thing doing the not hitting anybody with it not hey put your face here just someone flicking the door stopper and then it went to another scene and i went what was that what was that for what i just lost two minutes of my life (laughs) and seeing how young they are um and in those first couple of seasons of jackass there is an entire crew of jackass that didn't make it to the movies that didn't join in on the expansion of Jackass. Uh, Murray and Mike and all these people that were doing Jackass show stuff, but didn't go on to do the movies. Um, but it's crazy, man. Uh, if, if you need a refresher, they're only a dollar ninety nine a piece for per season. All three of them are on Prime, and all the movies are. You know, I, I teach high school, so I get to basically watch Jackass every day. <laughs> Not because my kids are jackasses. They're great, but sometimes they do stupid stuff. So, Yeah, I got that. <laughs> um, we, need to, uh, we need to do a, a guy's night and, or a weekend or something and go see the fourth one before it gets out because the reviews are raving. I'm imagining that things will be a little more tame as they're 
reaching middle age and yeah are sober and yeah you know dads and grown up and everything uh but you know we'll see i haven't really heard much about it but yeah. i tell you that i think the second one made me like literally vomit and the th- third one made me come close the porta potty thing uh and the third one that was rough and in the second one, they had the thing where the big guy was in the sweatsuit or whatever, and he was on the treadmill. Yeah. And oh, right. <laughs> and oh. he had to drink the sweat cocktail. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, we are going to uh, step away, take a quick break, and uh, more 30 Nerdy podcast will return. <laughs> It's a new year, and that means a new season of great shows at Encore Theatrical Company. They're kicking off their sweet 16th season in a big way with End of the Rainbow by Peter Quilter, which is a musical drama that focuses on Judy Garland and the months leading up to her death in 1969. This production will run February 18th to the 27th at Encore's new home at Oak Tree Plaza, 1570 Buffalo Trail, right here in Morristown, Tennessee. For tickets to this show or information about season tickets for the entire year, go to etcplays.org or call 423-813-8331. Encore Theatrical Company believes in the power of the arts, and if you come check out what Encore has to offer, we're certain you will too, because it's not just theater, it's Encore. Tennessee Legend Distillery was founded in 2015 and has quickly become one of the top distilleries for natural extracts and ingredients in its spirits. With no high fructose corn syrup, artificial sweeteners, or harmful ingredients, Tennessee Legend Distillery has four locations in the state of Tennessee without Newport, Sevierville, Cookville, and Nashville distilleries. You see, at Tennessee Legend Distillery, we have spent more time focused on the quality of our spirits than the number of our stores. We have a great selection of non-flavored spirits as well, like vodka, bourbon, whiskey, and gin. Tennessee Legend Distillery has multiple awards and medals for state, national, and international spirit contests, and even carries 2019's Best Tasting Whiskey state of Tennessee with our salted caramel 60 proof whiskey. We offer discounts for veterans, active military, nurses, police officers, firefighters, first responders, and even multiple bottle discounts. Don't live in Tennessee? We ship to select states. Go to GACraftSpirits.com to see if we deliver to you. That's G-A-C-R-A-F-T. S-P-I-R-I-T-S dot com. If you stop by the Sevierville location, tell them 30 and Nerdy Podcast sent you and be a legend with Tennessee Legend Distillery by receiving a free shot glass and 15% off of your order. What are you waiting for? Cheers to you. Welcome back, Nerds and Nerdettes, to the 30 and Nerdy Podcast. So... The nerdcabulary word. I was actually educated from a recent show that was streamed on Disney Plus that we will talk about here in a few minutes. I had not heard this word used 
uh, a lot because I did not watch a lot of samurai movies. I watched them occasionally if I was made to. Um, and uh, the word is daimyo. Daimyo. Stems from feudal Japan, one of the great lords who were vassals or holders of land for the shoguns or samurai lords. In Book of Boba Fett, Boba leaves his bounty hunting life and claims the title of daimyo of Mos Espa on Tatooine. Speaking of Boba Fett, series ended, enjoyed it. Uh, Mom thoroughly enjoyed it. I think she loves Mando a little more. Um, she loves Mando. And we are now, that is our Halloween. We have planned Halloween. We are all doing Star Wars characters. Oh, good. So she has planned it all out. She has assigned already who's going to be who. Uh, Maddie's going to be a Soka Tano. You didn't get to pick? Well, we got say, but like, especially for the women, it was kind of like, you know, who would be better? So she was like, I want to be Queen Amidala. I want to do the hair and makeup. And I was like, really? She's like, yes. Not Padme. I want to be Queen Amidala. Mm -hmm. And we showed Maddie Ahsoka Tano. And she was like, oh, I can do that. Yeah. I want to be Ahsoka. And uh, Chris and Kelly are going to be Han and Leia. Peyton's going to be Rey. Uh, Nolan is going to be 3PO to a little R2 Bryson. And I have had full Jedi regalia for like three years now, just sitting, waiting to be used like a full outfit. That I don't think I've even shown you. I don't think so. I'm just going to pick a Jedi, either Qui-Gon or Obi-Wan or I don't know. And uh, the newest one, Easton, who's about to turn one, is going to be Grogu. Dad's going to be Chewie. So we're excited. I was like, God, I just took her through the whole franchise. We planned Halloween. I like it. I should do this more often. I've had little puppet mastering in the last two Halloweens because I was the one who puppet mastered DC Universe last Halloween. And it's like, oh, who do I want to be next Halloween? Let's show them the Star Wars franchise. That'll tickle that fancy. Um, But I'm excited, man. Uh, So Boba Fett, how do we feel about the series? I thoroughly enjoyed it. Good. Good. Thoroughly. Uh, I, we talked about it, I guess, was it last week? I was like, you know, I can't say like it's so crazy for the people complaining to say, oh, you know, Boba Fett's different. He changed. You know, I get it. I see it because I had the same thoughts. But that's going to ruin the whole thing for you, that a character is changing, evolving and developing. Come on. Come on. Let's be reasonable, people. Um, oh, well, uh, you know, the show's supposed to be about Boba Fett, but there's two episodes about the Mandalorian. Okay. It, it was, I, what was wrong with that? Like I said last week, I subscribe to, I think, the series that we're getting on Disney Plus, like this, aside from uh, what's Andor, aside from Andor. Yeah. Like with Ahsoka happening in Mando Season 3 and the Book of Boba Fett, which is getting a season two by the sounds of it. I think it is a greater book. You know, it's, it's like if people looked at like twilight as a saga, there was an entire book that Edward wasn't in and he's the main character. Okay. So like, of course you're going to have, I thought, that, 
good stuff like that. Bella was the main character. Well, Bella's the main character, but, you know, it's Bella and Edward. But there was an entire book where he wasn't even in it. And it's like, but it's telling a greater story. He didn't have to be in this book. So I think all these shows we're getting from Ahsoka to this, I fully suspect an announcement this year at D23 that Skywalker's going to get a series. I, as much as he's been seen, I fully expect it. Um, the building of his school. Um, I just, I obviously, like it. Obviously, I'd be down for that, and I would love it. But I don't expect him to do that. I, I feel like they've, try, other than like these little appearances from Luke, I feel like they've really tried to close this Skywalker story. Like, yeah, it's done. What do you think about him? making Grogu make that decision when he didn't listen to Yoda make that decision. Well, I think that we're, it's going to come back around and he's going to say, Oh, he made the right choice. Yeah. Because Luke, made because right Luke did the same exact thing. He, yeah. he, he, he was motivated by his love. He was motivated, motivated by those connections that you're not really supposed to have. But at the same time, we know that, you know, they're encouraged. Anakin says we're encouraged to love, you know, and he's acting in defense and and out of love. And um, I think it was the right decision. And we expected that he would choose to go with Mando, right? Yeah. So, you know, we'll see what happens next. But I was, I was okay with that. People were dogging Luke like, Oh, so only Sith dealing absolutes. And what are you thinking? But I think that he was giving him that test and, I think he passed the test. Yeah. I think this is what Luke wanted to happen. Because I, I think. I could be he, wrong. I mean, yeah. But. I could be wrong. But I, I, going back to the whole book thing, like, there are going to be chapters of books. If you're telling a full grown story, I mean, even Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, you know, Frodo and Ch- Sam weren't in every chapter of Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you, if you're telling this extended story, this big, massive story. There are going to be individual moments where your main character is not even in it because what it boils greater story. What it boils down to, man, is that so many of these people are just not going to be happy no matter what. It does not matter what they do. They're going to turn their nose up to it. They're going to find something to nitpick about it, and they're going to say it's it's horrible. It's awful. It ruined Star Wars for me. Well, I would have rather it have been. It should have been Tauntauns. It should have been. Oh, by the way, I. You won't believe this, and I bet you haven't heard it yet because you surely would have said something. We've joked about this whole it should have been Tauntauns thing for a couple years now. David Horton, we love you, okay? But I thought it was just crazy outrageous that in his huge list of complaints about uh, The Last Jedi, oh, the, the creatures on the casino planet should have been Tauntauns. It's like, what? That's ridiculous. There's a whole galaxy. There's billions and millions of creatures and species and whatnot. On one of the most recent episodes of Fat Man Beyond, Kevin Smith said, those things on that planet, you know, they should have been Tauntauns. Why couldn't they be Tauntauns? My mouth, my jaw hit the floor, dude. I couldn't believe I was hearing that. Kevin Smith, who loves everything, (laughs) says that. And I was like, no. (laughs) Anyway, um, (laughs) I know exactly. They're never going to be happy no matter what. 
And something that is so frustrating with not just Star Wars fans, but like fans in the in our realm, you know, all the nerd stuff. It's like I had this conversation with somebody uh, that I went to college with because they watched Eternals for the first time. Mm. He was like, I really liked it. And I said, you know, it gets a really bad rap, you know, because today people feel like if the newest thing isn't the all time greatest thing of all time ever then it's garbage. It's a waste of time. It's terrible. Unless it's Spider-Man No Way Home. Yeah. And guys, not everything has to be that. You know, Eternals wasn't the greatest, most amazing thing ever, but it didn't have to be, you know? No. That, it didn't have to be. Not everything is going to be. But and just because it's time. not the best thing ever, it doesn't mean it's terrible. It doesn't mean it's garbage. It's whatever. Plus, going back to the whole book thing, Eternals wasn't fully telling a greater mcu story it was telling the eternal story that's what it was telling and i thoroughly enjoyed the fact that it was more standalone than any mcu movie has been in a long time like yeah all you really need to know was iron man's dead captain rogers is gone there's a vacuum kind of in leading the avengers and that's that but this is our story um I will say the one thing that um, I said to Brian at work is I said, I do find it difficult just, and this is just being nitpicky. It's a comic book movie. There's an eternal story, blah, blah, blah. I find it difficult to believe that that kind of an occasion didn't get the attention of the rest of the world. Like, uh, a titan basically a celestial raising out of the the sea slowly destroying, destroying earth i find it hard to believe that someone's radars on sword base or shield or anywhere wasn't going ding 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 <laughs> in a world where aliens invade new york and yeah. ultron drops the city you know out wherever that was um half the population disappears and then returns in five years. You know, are we really surprised that crazy things like that are happening? You know, is it really going to grab the attention of the whole world? You know, I don't they know. were probably like the rest of the Avengers and stuff were probably like, ah, we looked at the news. We noticed there were boots on the ground. Somebody was taking care of it. Not our problem. <laughs> I mean, yeah, this is not a threat level midnight situation. <laughs> So back to Boba Fett. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed the finale. Uh, we got a, a moment where youngling, young Boba, who was after Django was killed, was cared for and brought into this world by Cat, by Cad Bane. We kind of mm-hmm. learned that that story, mm-hmm. where he had to take down his old master, his old yeah. father figure, basically. Um, of course, there's there's theories, you know, that stab didn't kill him, and we'll see Cad Bane again. And I hope so. I do because so cool, so good, so cool. I yeah, I, two episodes with just you know a few minutes of screen time was not enough for me. I really it, want more of that. And so you know, the little beeping thing I'm hoping was an indication that it's not over yet. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, I'll accept it if it is. That I was like a pretty brutal stab. Yeah, it was and. We also got a little cut scene at the end where uh, Vanth is in the bas- uh, the back the tank with right. the modder 
awaiting to fix him up yeah. a little bit. Probably so my favorite character of the whole thing. We may see uh, a different version of Cobb Vanth, a little more modified version in Mando Season 3. See, we both. sort of expected that, right? Because yeah. when he got shot, it was like, you know, one very abrupt hit. Yeah. Meanwhile, the other guy got like five or six shots. Torn up. Definitely did. <laughs> so, yeah, we were kind of expecting that. Um, I'm looking forward to whatever they do. I I was expecting that we would see uh, the the two Hut twins come back and mm-hmm. get dropped in the Rancor pit, but you know that's not over yet. We still got the Rancor, the Huts. We I'm sure they'll come back into play at some point, so yeah. we might still get that. Go ahead. That if they do season two, you know that the Huts will get wind that oh the spice trade is done. They yeah. destroyed the Pike, so now let's go back and lay our claim, and like. Yeah. Even if it's some short thing in episode one of season two where they're like, okay, now that you took care of that, we are going to lay our claim. And he's like, stand there. <laughs> stand there. Watch Just this. Slide over. <laughs> but I'm excited. Uh, the sun's coming through the window. It's, it's, it's I can't see it. In the eyes. Block out the sun for a second. Um I loved the little bit of a sa- more of an assassin moment because we did kind of get to see early on uh Finnick do her thing and then like she was just kind of like there for a little bit but those last moments of the battle her just murking everybody hiding in that hut like the mayor and the rest of the pikes the pike leader just assassin level a hundred for her <laughs> but I'm I'm fully expecting a season two of Boba Fett uh I can't wait uh, obviously, there are things that we personally would like to see. It would be cool to see a Mace Windu return. Um, yes. I, I don't know if this Boba would seek that kind of revenge, though. Um, well, um, he was ready to get some uh, revenge and re- retribution for his Tuscan family. That's true. You know, true. so I I think you can still justify it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I definitely think so. Um, so well, what are your like thoughts, nerd, nerd, nerd nation? Uh, let us know uh, your thoughts on the ending and the series that is Boba Fett. Next week, after I've caught up, we will discuss Peacemakers season one and finale a little bit. Um, it's been good. Uh, I haven't yeah. watched the last one episode. more. Is that right? Yeah. One more. So okay. I haven't watched the last one and the finale is on its way. So yeah. I'll be. Uh, uh, Ready to talk about that next week. Uh, it's it's been a fun show. Uh, so let us know your thoughts on Book of Boba Fett. Uh, email us, hit us up on social media using the hashtag 30 and Nerdy Pod. We are celebrating Valentine's week with Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Uh, very video game, comic book, battle heavy love story. Comedy, uh, romance, action. Yes, like 
this is what young Tyler in middle school, when I had all the crushes in the world, every girl that was pretty was my crush and I was in love and I burnt them CDs and they didn't give me a time of day. Like, this is what I felt like was the answer to that was kind of like Scott Pilgrim's a nerdy little, little thing. And like, there's these ex-boyfriends that he has to battle and the girl is beautiful. And I was like, that's all little Tyler wanted was this story to happen to him. That's all I needed. I needed sword fights and bands, battle of the bands and, and to win the girl. And there's so much relatable uh, aspects to this movie and, and to Scott, you know, and there's like, multiple reasons why i was like oh i've been there oh i relate to that oh you know there's one point where i was like oh you and i both can relate especially to like um they they call uh envy she who must not be named right like we've both been there we've both done that like everybody knows we don't talk about that person we don't say their name we refer to them as you know who she must not be named whatever so um yeah relatable and like it's funny you're talking about being in middle school and stuff because this movie sort of, it's almost like it sort of makes fun of that whole, you know, yeah, several years later, those heart, heartbreaks from middle school, they don't hurt anymore. You know, you don't, whatever, but you do remember it. You oh, always yeah. remember those things. So like Ramona having her flashbacks, you know, like the first boyfriend, like Matthew Patel, like, oh, we were in like the sixth grade, you know, it's not a big deal. But it sort of represents that idea that, you remember all that stuff. And at the time it was very real. And at the time it was very painful. And, um, but you know, you move on and you grow and you get over it. And also about this movie is we thoroughly enjoy it. I know a friend of ours, Alex Cooper, it's probably in his top five favorite movies of all time. He has countless shirts based off the movie. He quotes it all the freaking time. He's got all this wall art from the movie and, and, Mm -hmm action figures and like replicas of the sword and so i thoroughly enjoy it but i can definitely see where it's not for everybody even other nerds might be like it's just too much it's i've heard people who love star wars lord of the rings and marvels and dc and they're just like i've seen it and i don't hate it but i don't re-watch it you know it was just a lot Mm -hmm. and i'm like how can you say that this movie is just a lot when you also love things with laser swords and space wizards and a ring being taken to a volcano. Well, I just, I think because this one so specifically appeals to the video game crowd, it appeals to the music crowd and, you know, the comic book crowd and all those, those different things. And, you know, most of us, our age and and who are interested in the things we are like that that's us we all of those things we can relate to not everybody can you know people who aren't versed in the video game stuff they probably also wouldn't like ready player one right right so it's definitely a niche crowd within the nerd culture and i think that could be why and, and i really didn't realize this just because i've always loved this movie but it didn't do well like it was kind of a flop which I, I I didn't know, but yeah, it was a it was a considered a big flop, um, and it could be for that very reason. It is such a yeah. niche 
crowd. Um, so, well, and I know that uh, in the world of things coming back, that you know, maybe not have been successful the first time around, but now, like now, everybody's clamoring for a third Garfield Spider Man, a redemption yeah. opportunity. Mm-hmm. I know that both. Mary Elizabeth and Michael Sarah have gone on record in pre in pretty recent interviews saying that they're whole all, all like they are ready for a sequel. Um, they have heard from a lot of the fan base and especially with streaming platforms over theaters being a big thing now mm-hmm. that there is a possibility. But I just think that the first one was so good for the people who do like it that there's no need and you don't want to run a good thing for the people who do like it. So I I don't need a sequel. Yeah. I'm, I'm completely happy with this story um, as it is, you know, maybe seven or eight years ago, if there'd been talk of a sequel, I probably would have been a little more uh, into it, but I feel like they're a little too old now to continue with those same characters in that same way. Um, and I just don't think we're I don't think that uh, the author, the creator, Brian uh, Leo Malley, is that his name? Yeah. Brian yeah. Leo Malley. He I, I, I don't think that he intended for there to be like the adult, mature, like yeah. settled, having a job and a career in kids. Scott Pilgrim, you know, that's just not that doesn't work. And uh, I, I, and I couldn't see anybody else playing these roles like younger people. I, I couldn't see it. it. It would be hard for me to accept that. So yeah. I'm in the camp of let's not let's just leave it. Yeah, uh, I would I would definitely agree with you. Um, so you have got uh, quite a bit here to discuss. Lord, and I have I have all the deets. I have all you the do. things. I mean, I've really learned a lot. Um, I'm proud to say a lot of the little music Easter eggs and references I picked up on that stuff. Um, some of the video game stuff is really retro, mm-hmm. um, you know, stuff when we were like one, two, three years old, yeah. some of that stuff, I did most of that stuff I didn't know. Um, so I learned a lot about that, but man, there are Easter eggs and references and, and facts for days. So I've just kind of narrowed down the ones I thought were the most interesting, uh, for us, for our purposes, and we'll get to that. Um, but let's start with just some general info. Yeah. The movie Scott Pilgrim versus the World was released August 13th, 2010 here in the United States, based on the graphic novel series by Brian Leo Malley that ran from 2004 to 2010. Uh, fun fact, the idea for the League of Evil Exes came from uh, when Brian Leo Malley was, was dating his uh his wife or whatever she had like three boyfriends who all had the same name i can't remember what the name was and he was always joking like oh i'm gonna have to fight the league of math matthews or johns or whatever they are right so that's sort of where that idea came from and the best creators and authors draw from real life experience so he did a lot of that and like the character that um oh what's her name the sister stacy what's her name what's that actress's name anna kendrick yeah. uh she plays stacy uh scott's sister stacy is brian lee o'malley's real life sister and she wears the name tag at the little coffee shop 
that was real life Stacy's actual name tag. Oh, she's wearing. Yeah. So like really a way to dive yeah. into the character there, Anna Kendrick. So uh, last year was the 10 year. No. Yeah. Last year was like the 10 year anniversary or the year before, but they did a cast uh, reunion and did a zoom table reading. Everybody came back except for Brie Larson. Uh, <laughs> and uh, um, Superman. I'm like Brandon. Dying Ruth. Yeah. Brandon Ruth. He was like in costume completely went all out for it. I've watched a little bit of it. Um, and it was, was really good. So Brie Larson, of course, wasn't there. So Anna Kendrick played Envy. Okay. And the sister. So that's a little weird. Uh, they made a game based on, on this, which why would you not? An Ubisoft game. It's like a side scroller beat em up. You remember like when we were kids, there was the Simpsons arcade game and yeah. the Ninja Turtles one and all that. It's that same style. Really difficult. I had it on my xbox years ago um and it was a it was really really tough really challenging the movie was directed by edgar wright who you might know from a little movie called Shaun of the dead and he also was the co-writer for ant-man he was originally going to direct ant-man but he had creative differences and and he he split but he was a co-writer uh, as we said earlier, it was considered a flop. It had a budget of $85 million and it only brought in 49.3. Now, I don't know about, like, as far as, you know, any merchandise that they have for the movie. Yeah. I don't know if there's any of that stuff out there or not. Uh, and, like, the home release and stuff. I don't know what they've gained uh, from that. But, yeah, 49.3 on an $85 million budget. Not, uh, not great. Uh... You didn't break even. You didn't no. see any black line. So usually studios don't take a shot at a sequel if you don't see that black line go up a little bit. Exactly. Now the movie is, or the story is, of course, set in Toronto, Canada, and they wanted to film in New York, but uh, the director was very against that. He, you know, we really wanted to do, in, do it in Toronto, and they did. They filmed in Toronto. And as we said, it's a mixture of fantasy, video game, comic book, romance, action, comedy, all in one. This whole movie is basically like the way Scott can see and relate to the world, like video game stuff like, oh, I have to pee. He's got the pee bar and, you know. He's having these big epic fights into his mind and stuff like that. He's like a video game, you know, Um, that's how he just relates to the world. And so we're seeing this fantasy world of Scott Pilgrim. Hence the little, the text pop-ups, like uh, the onomatopoeia, like the comic book style, the words popping up and um, all that great stuff. So one huge aspect of this movie, of course, is the music. Mm. Um, Want to talk about that. So the artist Beck, you know, you might know from that song, Loser. I'm a loser, baby, so why don't you kill me? That guy, he did, uh, wrote a lot of the music, uh, the Sex Bob-omb stuff. That was him. The one that uh, Michael Cera plays on the acoustic, Ramona, he did that. So he was heavily involved. And there's one scene where, like, um, Scott and Knives are in the record store. Yeah. And they're looking at the records, and they do a, a shot of one of Beck's albums. There's, like, a little shout-out to him. Uh, Toronto based broken social scene 
they did the songs for Crash and the Boys. They're the ones that did uh, I'm So, So Sad, So Very Sad and Go Away, Please Die or whatever that song was. Uh, that was Broken Social Scene. And then Metric was sort of the basis and influence for uh, Clash at Demon Head. And the lead singer of Metric, Emily Haynes, who was also a part of Broken Social Scene, was sort of the basis for Envy Adams, the look and the movement and everything. So based on real life uh, musicians. Scott Pilgrim's name comes from a song by Plumtree. Gotta admit, it's not a great song. I don't love it, uh, but that's where the name comes from. So I appreciate it for that very reason. Scott even wears a Plumtree shirt. Yeah. in a couple of scenes this he has all kinds of shirts and they all have meaning um i heard someone say online somewhere that like the shirts are supposed to sort of match like ramona so like when her hair changes his shirts are supposed to change to match it i didn't really notice that so i can't say one way or the other and then ramona now the ramona flowers name was originally from scott Pilgrim versus the world but later on there was a band who named themselves Ramona Flowers because of the movie. Wow. Yeah. Um, and like, there's a lot more that I'm sure I'll get to in the music. Uh, one thing that I found really interesting was, you know, the guys in Sex bob uh, Steven, Young Neil, Kim, all them, they were not musicians. So they had to spend weeks training how to make it look like they're really playing. They actually did play a lot. Uh, they had to learn how to play together like a real band. That's hard work. That's not easy, especially when you don't have experience with such a thing. But Michael Sarah actually is a musician. He actually does play bass. So he had to sort of back off and play worse not so that he didn't. Good. Yeah. So that he didn't run off and leave the bandmates behind. Yeah. So that's just a fun little fact about the music. I know that uh, a lot of people after this movie um, seeing like Twitter feed and all that anytime that this movie is being discussed because tons of other podcasts have discussed this movie, whether it be a nerd culture podcast or just a movie podcast in general that I've listened to um, and and different feeds on like Reddit and all that so many people that I have seen talk about this movie because of this movie tried to form a band with their friends because they wanted those same relationships and they thought that this was this life would be so fun and I think I've brought this up a few times in the show I was like I know how that feels it wasn't because of a movie but I've got pictures of our band on Facebook oh, yeah. Our band that uh, never played yeah. a single note. our band that never played we looked good. Um, we did. You know, the album was was going to be fired just by the the cover alone. We didn't but, know what was going to be on it, but it was going to be great. Yeah, it was going to be great. That. But I think I it's think, hilarious. But I don't even think we had a name, did we? No, no. Well, I actually did end up being in a in a band with some buddies. Like we actually played gigs and stuff later on. Um, so I that's another thing that I can relate to. Like, I still know people like this who they live together and, you know, sometimes know a little too much about what's going on with each other and and all the situations that they're in. And yeah. um, 
You know, I just I know I, I know people like this. Yeah. And Scott's roommate, Walt, room, roommate Wallace. Uh, when I was in high school, dude, I had a Wallace. I had a, yeah. I had a best friend who was gay. He was sassy. He told me sometimes what I didn't want to hear. Uh, his name is Jeffrey. Uh, you know, so just over and over again, I'm like, I, I relate to that. Uh, I've been there. Uh, I know people like and this. Karen, Karen Culkin, everything he's played, like all the Culkins are, are phenomenal. I mean, most people know of Macaulay, but, you know, like Karen playing this character and the other Culkin recently doing Scream 4 and a bunch of other things, especially in the horror genre. Like the way Karen plays Wallace, like you would have thought that it was written for him, in my opinion. Like mm-hmm. he was just like writing the graphic novel himself or writing the script himself because Karen plays it so well, especially this scene where uh, she comes to the door looking for Scott. <laughs> and he's like scott and scott jumps to the window in the background he's like not here <laughs> just um because that scene alone is is used in vines was used in vines is used in tiktoks like crazy like me like you know has the dialogue of me jump me jumping out the window and it says like someone like your extended warranty coming to the door and like, you know, stuff. they do little videos of that stuff, but that scene alone is played a lot still today in TikTok as, as a running joke. And uh, I loved Kieran's performance as Wallace, uh, mm-hmm. especially just his quips because um, my best friend in high school wasn't gay, but uh, it was Logan. And we know that Logan is quippy. So mm-hmm. he was my my Wallace. Um, but uh, I, I enjoy the character of Wallace. I mean, Scott's great. He's the lead. He's got a lot of funny moments, but I love Wallace, dude. My favorite Wallace stuff is when they're at the I can't remember which I guess the first battle of the bands well, when they're at the uh, the rocket. Fun fact, this place is a toilet uh, <laughs> when he's like heckling the the band down there. Like, ah, oh, it's not a, it's not a race, guys. <laughs> you look oh, like funny. a pirate. Are you a pirate? <laughs> Pirates are in this year. <laughs> Speaking of, like, we always talk about how one thing that makes the movie great for us is the quotability. This movie is so quotable. <laughs> so many things, just like that. <laughs> that gossipy bitch. <laughs> uh, the title sequence, the opening of the movie, is so cool. Like seeing all the little graphics coming out of the instruments and the 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 uh, opening credits coming up and stuff. Yeah. Originally, they weren't going to do it in that style, but Quentin Tarantino saw a little preview of it and he said, you know, the whole movie's got all these, you know, flashy comic book style things. Hey, why don't you try doing the title sequence like this? And they did and it worked. So thank, thank you, you Quentin much. Tarantino for that. Uh, you know, the director reached out to a lot of his buddies who had experience with, you know, movies more in this style or whatever, and got a lot of feedback. He also let Kevin Smith and Jason Reitman see a, a screening of it. And both of them loved it. Of course, Kevin, he's easy to please. Uh, and he was like, Oh, people aren't going to know what hit him. Well, that's true for the people who like it, but you know, unfortunately it was uh, a the box bomb. office didn't feel the, the, the impact. <laughs> they did um, not. Jason Reitman, who went on to direct and write the phenomenal Ghostbusters Afterlife. 
Word on the street is you saw that before you hit theaters. I did. <laughs> I did. <laughs> so, uh, you know, as we've kind of said, it, the movie starts out sort of establishing the relationship between the bandmates and the roommates or whatever, like this person dated that person and this person mm-hmm. has history with that person. And, you know, the, the girl that works at the coffee shop that hates everybody and cusses everybody out. Um, we meet all of those people and we learn, you know, Scott's dating a 17 year old and he's 22 um, and they're all giving him a hard time about it. And it's like <sighs> knives is so cute and she's, so sweet and she deserves so much better um but they're right to give him a hard time about it and when you see them together they have this awkward relationship it's like i remember those relationships like in high school like yeah this is kind of weird this is not gonna work out but you just sort of stick it out because you're too chicken to break up with them you know as one of my one of my favorite moments is when uh wallace is like have to break up with knives he's like but it's hard <laughs> like yeah i get it relatable very relatable <laughs> so uh you know scott's just kind of okay living his life the way he's living it until he has a vision of this beautiful girl on skates in this little fantasy dreamland he has and then he meets her in real life ramona flowers and that starts everything um Another great scene when he's at that party and he's asking everybody, you know, Ramona Flowers, and they're all saying, oh, I heard this about her and I heard that about her and everything. That's also uh, very relatable in high school and early college. Like, have you heard of uh, blah, 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 blah? Oh, well, I heard, especially in a small town. God, very yeah. relatable. Very relatable. So Ramona, she's pretty cool. She's like the, gosh, how do you describe her? She's uh um she's on the outskirts of society. She's not she's American. Yeah, she's American. Uh, she changes her hair like every week and a half. Get used to it. Get used to it. Um I I you know, when I first watched the movie, I was like, Tyler, like why didn't you ever go for an outcast? You always went for the cheerleader or the the unattainable. Like you you weren't a jock or the popular so why did you always go for the popular girls in middle school and high school like there were ramonas at east high school so you know what the heck um but like i said i didn't have my my video game vision moment in real life where this was meant to be and there weren't harmonious melodies playing and there weren't you know like there was that wasn't happening for me so uh it's a little easier when there's signs pointing to the girl that you should be with i went for a couple of the ramonas uh not as cool as as the ramona though um Mm. but gosh poor scott when he's in that you know, situation where he's in the relationship and he's kind of hesitating to get out of it because he doesn't want to hurt the feelings. And then there's the other girl that's come along and he's totally lost interest in the other one. Like I can think you knew me at 19, 20 years old. Yes. I know I'm not proud of it, but I was in that situation a handful of times. Like I remember we all went out to Knoxville to go to the Valerium or something one night and there happened to be like, three girls that we ran into that I was like, Hey, we can't be here with this girl. Why that girl over there sees us. And you remember that? Like I, yeah. I've been there. 
Yeah, you're um, like in the middle of this turf war, pretty much. Yeah, awkward. <laughs> so Scott goes, you know, out of his way to find out everything he can about Ramona, and he starts, you know, she's a delivery girl or whatever. So he's like ordering packages just to get to see her. And there's this shot where she comes to the door, she delivers the package like a book or something, and he throws it and he goes straight in the trash can. Okay, that was real. Yeah, and he had to get it in yeah. the in the basket. I actually just watched Michael the video. Scott, how many takes it took? Thirty three times. <laughs> thirty three times. Kind of like uh, when uh, Steve Carell was doing that goodbye scene in the warehouse. Shot. All right, warehouse, get, get you on the, the video. And he had to do it over and over again. So luckily he got it. So the time that 33rd time was the charm. That one time is the one we got in the movie and they didn't do it anymore. <laughs> so of course he, you know, starts to get Ramona's attention. She's kind of interested. And then we learn, well, there's more to this. The seven evil exes, the league of, of the evil exes. So I figured instead of just talking about the whole story, why don't we just talk about, the seven X is because basically that is the story. Yeah. Right. Okay. So our first evil X is Matthew Patel and he's really not very memorable. I got to say he no. does like a musical number or whatever. He's like my least favorite of the X's. Uh, he, he's the one that sends him an email. It's like, Oh, it has come to my attention that we will be fighting soon. He's like, this is boring. And he just totally overlooks it. <laughs> Didn't you read the uh, email I sent you? <laughs> Skim through it. <laughs> So Matthew Patel, first one, that's when we learn, okay, something's going on. This guy's held on to a grudge uh, with Ramona for a long time now. And he is defeated with a KO punch. Yes. And he conveniently receives 1,000 coins. Yeah. Is that right? 1,000 yeah. coins. And I saw something about like the real life money that he got plus whatever Ramona was going to lend him was the actual cost of fare for the bus or the subway or whatever in Toronto at that time. And Patel is played by Satya Baba. And this and an episode of New Girl is like the most mainstream thing he's done. Other than that, he's been in little things that, uh, but he's actually done a lot overseas and not as much in America. A um, little bit of NCIS, New Girl, uh, the good wife or whatever it's called. But this is like the biggest thing that he did. And he was who, a first boyfriend. Who hasn't yeah. been on CIS yeah. at this point? That's true. <laughs> That's I've strange. been on 13 episodes myself. <laughs> um, second evil ex, Lucas Lee, the movie star and skateboarder, mm -hmm. played by Chris Evans and his stunt <laughs> team, who were, those are real uh, stunt guys. And yes. those guys actually work for our uh, work with Chris Evans a lot. Those are like his actual stunt guys. That's awesome. so convenient. Uh, Lucas Lee was a fun character. Like if there was, we always play this game of, oh, if there were a stage version of this, or if this were a, a musical or whatever, who would we want to play? Who would, who would we cast as this, that, or whatever? I would want to be Lucas Lee. I'm not nearly as cool as Lucas Lee, but man, I guess. A guy we know named Lucas? Yeah, a guy we named we yeah. know named Lucas. Yeah, that would be he would be even better for sure. He'd be great. Uh, but he is defeated by they challenge him to do a, a, a skate trick. Yeah. And he's like, oh, you can't do it or whatever. 
and then he goes for it and he crashes and burns and uh, Scott gets 2000 points because mm-hmm. he's the second evil X. And you'll notice that his uh, logo for his skateboard brand or whatever looks like an X. Mm. X is everywhere. You got to look out for the X. Okay. Brings us to the next evil uh, X, Todd Ingram, mm-hmm. played by Brandon Ruth, as we mentioned earlier. Uh, and also accompanied by Envy Adams, Brie Larson, who is Scott's ex. Um, man, relatable. Yes. You know who. She must not be named. Uh, haunting you everywhere you go, it seems. Um, and then here you are face to face, nowhere to go. Um, awkward situation for Scott. But this but whole thing. Say again. I love the song. Oh, the Black Sheep, I think, yeah. was the that one. That was actually Brie Larson singing. Mm-hmm. That was actually her. She was amazing. Um, I love her in, in this in this movie. Uh, fun fact, if you look at the moon, there's like a weird indention in the movie. Yeah. On the, in the movie. Yeah. Uh, that is from Todd using his vegan powers to punch a hole in the moon for Ramona when they were dating. So another little attention to detail thing. And I love stuff like this. So you're, you're in the audience and a band comes on stage and it's Superman and Captain Marvel. (laughs) You've just had to beat Captain America in a skateboard trick. Um, And you're doing this well already. I probably would have been like, I don't even have to fight the other ones. Like, Seeing the movie 10 years after it uh, came out makes Scott's accomplishments that much more impressive because it was Superman and Captain America and Captain Marvel. It is. We didn't at the time, of course. No. Uh, that, all that stuff, that whole scene is great. Them sitting there just having the awkward, like, stare down, forcing mm-hmm. conversation. I love that scene. That would be so much fun to, to, to play. Yeah. Um, I'm sure it was. Uh, did you notice every time... Todd got confused or he had an idea or whatever it was. They played the little Sonic catch the catching the rings yeah. noise. Yeah. Uh, so they have their battle. They start with a base battle, which I thought that Todd was, was better. Um, oh yeah. And then we get the vegan police showing up and they take his vegan powers away from him. And then Scott gets him with a headbutt. Because he was once vegan, but now he will be gone. Boom. 3,000 points for 3, the 30 legs. For Scott. Who was also wearing a big number three on his shirt. Big red truck. Uh, so every time Scott says, your ex-boyfriends, I have to keep fighting your ex-boyfriends. And Ramona says, exes, exes. Okay. Why do you keep saying that? Boom. Roxy Richter. A girlfriend. Yes. Um, she's, other than Matthew Patel, she's one of my least favorites. Yeah. Um, but he defeats her with the knee touch. 4,000 points. <laughs> <laughs> Got to remember that one, fellas. <laughs> and then uh, Evil X is five and six. The uh oh, I left one of their names off the notes. Oh no, let's go back and look. Kyle and 
Kyle Ka- and Ken Katianagi. Yeah, Kyle and Ken Katianagi. Uh, and that was so fun fact the actors who played them, uh, uh, Keita and Shota Saito. Mm-hmm. Sorry if I'm butchering that, uh, people. Um, but they spoke little to no English. So, um, <laughs> so Edgar Wright had to rely on gestures and, and, and body language and stuff to communicate with them. So I'm sure that was challenging, but you know, they didn't have any lines or anything like that. It was all just, you know, the body language of their, the band battle and everything. So, um, worked out fun little reference there to spinal tap. This is spinal tap. They turned their speakers to this little red symbol. That's the Japanese symbol for 11, you know, dial it up to 11 spinal tap. That was one that I caught. That, yeah. I mean, I, I didn't know that that was the Japanese symbol for 11, yeah. but I assumed that's what that assumed, was. Oh, turn it to 11. Yeah. And it was confirmed. So he, he beats those guys 6,000 points for the uh, sixth battle, fifth, sixth yeah. evil X's, or however it was. And he gets an extra life, which we know we'll need for later. Yes. And then it's time for the epic showdown. The the leader of the the league, the evil mastermind, the seventh evil ex Gideon Graves, who he finds on the seventh floor. And every hit is 700 points. And when he defeats him after he dies and then comes back and defeats him, um, he gets powered up seven times his power and wins seven million points. And when he hits uh, Gideon, you made me swallow my gum. It's going to stay in my stomach for seven years. A little on the nose, but it worked. This is good. a this guy went on to, to do some things. Jason Schwartzman. Uh, he has done some things. Yeah, the thing that things. I think of him uh, from right away is probably the last thing most people think of. But he was in. Uh, uh, saving Mr. Banks. He was Jason Sherman. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, along with uh, BJ. I knew Nova. that you were gonna. Re- that's what you were gonna remember him from yeah. too. Yeah. yeah. So, this yeah. is also the first time I met Aubrey Plaza. Oh yeah, this was one of her first yeah. things, probably wasn't it? She's Julie Powers. Okay, listen. I'll tell you this: the first time I met madison i think i met madison before you knew her right yeah yeah you knew her before i did um like 2013 14 something like that the moment i laid eyes on madison <laughs> i walked up to her and i said hey has anyone ever I, told you first conversation literally first words i think i ever spoke to the girl you know this actress aubrey plaza because you are definitely like her twin, like doppelganger. They look so alike. I joke with her all the time that that's a big reason I uh, <laughs> posted her. It's because she, she's very similar to Aubrey Plaza. And you, you, you could be doing oddly, You know, the whole like not loving the limelight and all that and that kind of like just short answers awkwardness. She also is very similar to Aubrey Plaza in that way because Aubrey's very similar. She's very awkward and short answer and just like hates doing interview shows and stuff like that. And just, uh, but yeah, Aubrey Plaza, man. Um, 
obviously most people who especially haven't seen this would know her from parks and rec um that's where most people know her now from um she's hilarious in parks and rec but uh this was my first time i laid eyes on aubrey plaza was scott pilgrim you know i i guess it was for me too uh all of the actors received like little piece of uh secret information about their characters that maybe wasn't necessarily revealed in the movie or maybe not even in the in the the graphic novels but uh julie audrey Paz's character is in love with scott allegedly she has a big crush on him and her way of showing it is treat him like doo-doo and cuss him out uh, you know, could be because she's angry and jealous that he's got all these other girls on the yeah. line or whatever. But yeah, that was sort of her her little secret uh, hint about her character. Yeah, which is pretty cool. So we've we've gone through the seven evil exes, but there's another cool thing to think about. Scott could be number zero because at the time of the movie, he's not an ex yet. You know, no. Uh, so he's zero and they reference this. All of them had references to their number, like the points that he got for defeating them. And, you know, they were wearing stuff or whatever. Scott talks about how he drinks Coke zero. Um, there's one point he wears a smashing. This was one of the things I was proud that I, I caught on to. He wears a smashing pumpkin shirt. They had a song called zero and he's wearing that shirt. So the references to zero for Scott makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Really cool. I love stuff like that, man. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. So, you know, he defeats the exes, whatever, you know, they had the, the part where Ramona breaks up with him and everything's going on. Knives is out to get revenge and she wants to fight Ramona and all this crazy drama happens, whatever. Well, in the end, of course, we know Knives accepts that Scott and Knives will not work out. It's not going to be a thing. And he goes off with Ramona in the end. But originally they weren't going to do it that way. Originally, he was going to get back with Knives. And I thought about it, and I think I wouldn't have liked that as much. I like that he ends up with Ramona, because if you think about it, the whole movie is about him chasing Ramona, right? You know? Yes. So it makes sense, don't you yeah. think? Also makes me think of when people you know, complain who, about who, how you know, much you love it. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Oh, we didn't get the ending that we expected or wanted. Yet, if you look at the entire show, spoiler alert, he's really after this one woman from episode one consistently throughout the whole show. Why would he not end up with that one when, you know, he had this beautiful love story with the mom who we meet at the end and weren't as attached to. Right. But life happens. You know, that was a beautiful, real, realistic story that they told with the mom. Well, it should have just called the show How I Wound Up with Robin, then. Well, that's what the show was about. The title is yeah. misleading, but that's what very makes misleading. it misleading. You know? It is very misleading. I'm, I, that's another thing where I'm in the minority. Like, everybody's like, oh, I hated the ending of How I Met Your Mother. Okay, I, I guess I kind of understand. We spent the whole time waiting to meet the mom, and then that was what we got. But I was... I was totally on board with it because I was team Robin and Ted from day one, yeah. you know? Yeah. So I mean, that's you were, I mean, and I wasn't necessarily against Robin and Ted, but a lot of me throughout that series was like, dude, it's time to let go. 
she is not good. Like, um, she's not good. Like, she's funny, and you find yourself. Che- I found myself cheering for Ted and Robin, but I was like, but at the end of the day, she keeps breaking up with you, and you keep ending things, and then she eventually marries one of your best friends, and that's a bad mistake. And it's like, so I think a lot of me, my hostility towards the end is, ugh, was just like, dude. And I get things change, people change. This was also in the the future for us. This was like 2030 something or whatever. So yeah. I understand but- it. I can tell you that I dislike the finale of it a lot less now. And kind of like I make the joke, Star Wars sequels did wonders for the prequels. Game of Thrones finale did wonders for How I Met Your Mother's finale for me. I'm like, okay, I can take that now. That's fine. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of yeah, like that, uh, that. the newest thing pisses you off. The other thing's not as bad anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so something else pisses me off. I'll be like, you know, Game of Thrones wasn't that bad if you think about it, because this is bad. Um, I'm always in that camp of, oh, come yeah. on, it's not that bad. You can justify it through blah 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 blah. Yeah. With Game of Thrones, I've I've really tried hard, and I've just I've let that one go because yeah. I. Well, that's a discussion for another time. One day we should revisit that because um, my 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 thoughts have changed a little bit. You know, I still don't. Uh, you don't hate, hate the, I don't hate the whole series yeah. because of the ending, you know, whatever. But with How Much Your Mother, man, like it, they they got me because in the end, you know, we've got the whole Ted and Robin thing. And I did not Have want Ted and Robin. Horn. And I remember even tweeting like I tweeted the, the creators all yeah. the time. Yeah. They got back to me a couple of times. I was like, is it too late to, uh, you know, have Teddy Westside jump into this wedding and stop all this from happening? Because I do not want this to happen. And they gave me what I wanted. With his I, was in the, <laughs> I was in the minority, but it was in the last minute. Swooped in, Robin and Ted for the win. But, you know, Ted got what he wanted. He had he had the wife. He had the mother. He had the children. He had the family. You know, sadly, in the end, that didn't work out. But realistically, the whole show was about him chasing Robin. So, after if, a, if you had your way of a sequel for this question, I wanted to ask you, if you had your way for a sequel for this, would you have them as parents now and their kid going through it? Or would you have them a little older, Scott not be in it near the end and a new guy chasing Ramona and Scott's the last battle and like one and- one's ending is kind of retconned and like they didn't stay together they didn't get married but scott is number eight and have everybody come back and reprise their roles that can and have this new person fight scott in the end what do you think about that if i have to choose between those two i think i would prefer the first one the they're they're married with a kid kid yeah um how old is michael sarah I mean, he's not too much not older, much than, older us, than us, right? yeah. You know, I mean, Brie Larson's like a year younger than us. It's Brie Larson is our age, yeah. It's ridiculous. Uh, so maybe, maybe he's not too old to come back for it, you know, maybe. Yeah. But he was just, he looked so young. And, well, and, and now really, you really would have the league being Captain America. You'd make oh, yeah. those jokes. You'd make Superman jokes. You'd make Captain Marvel jokes in a sequel. So, yeah. now it really looking at it now it could be a fun thing to write 
with where everywhere everybody went. So now that we've had a like a fifteen minute uh, him yum tangent, how much your mother tangent and all of that <laughs> stuff, uh, we we've reached the end of the story. Um, we didn't talk about uh, you know Nega Scott. He's like, oh, we were just hanging out. He's a cool guy. That was that was a nice little twist on that. Um, and that's the end. Yeah. Oh, they were they were going to also include this idea where at the end, uh, like somebody's watching the news and uh, there's going to be a report about a, a local uh, garage band musician goes on a killing spree and murders all these people. And then they decided, oh, that would kind of be a downer. So maybe we'll not do that. And we'll just keep it. Uh, it was all just fantasy. It was all yeah. sort of Scott's interpretation of it, <laughs> which was probably the right call. Because let's be honest, Scott killed some people. We're not going to discuss this. <laughs> God, maybe you should get out of Canada for a while. You know, we're pretty lenient up here, but you just killed like seven people. <laughs> maybe uh, go down south for a little bit. <laughs> so um, as we've sort of mentioned, and, and we've already touched on many of them, this movie is full of Easter eggs and references mm. and, and all the things. And, you know, I would never be able to catch all of them in a hundred million years. I just yeah. don't have the, the knowledge to do that or the time to research it. So I want to give a shout out to a YouTube channel called 101 Facts. They have several videos like this where they literally list 101 facts, details, whatever you want about a certain movie or a topic or yeah. whatever. Um, I It's amazing. I don't know how people know this stuff and how they can find all this information but it was just incredible so i am not going to go through 101 facts about scott pilgrim if you are really interested in it like i am go watch it it's like a 20 minute video but i want to point out a few of the things that i thought were just especially interesting okay so obviously there's a ton of video game references most of which i didn't catch okay yeah i was a gamer growing up but some of this stuff sort of predates that for us uh like the generation maybe right a lot before of, uh, a lot of atari and nes references there's yeah there's some Arcade. i wasn't a sega kid so the yeah. sega stuff i missed out on all that early snes is yeah. some of it in here and i didn't know that stuff uh crashing the boys the one of the bands Mm -hmm. I'm sad. So, so very sad. Okay. That comes from a video game called Crash in the Boys Street Challenge for the Super Nintendo, I believe. Uh, obviously, Scott's Bob band, Sex Bob-omb, yeah. Bob-omb's from the Mario series. Yeah. Uh, in the end, they're at the Chaos Theater, and uh, Sex bob is sort of like enslaved to Gideon, and we're not having any fun, and blah, 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 blah. All of that is a reference to a game called Earthbound. And Chaos Theater is actually a location in the game. So they took it right from that. Uh, they had Zelda music throughout a lot of the movie. And actually, um, uh, sorry, actually Edgar Wright wrote a letter to Nintendo. A letter, not an email. He wrote a letter, paper and pen, to Nintendo to, you know, talk about what he wanted to do and talking about how that, you know, music from these games was like, like the nursery uh, music or whatever to a whole generation. Like, it really uh, is. Like I'll, yeah. there'll be times where I'm trying to go to sleep and I'll put on the Ocarina of Time playlist. Right. It's, it's great stuff. So that stuff is sort of embedded throughout the movie. We already talked about uh, the stuff with 
Todd and the sonic noises and all that. Uh, Dark Link, Mega Scott. Yeah. Um, the Triforce symbol. You can see that that's like the record label logo yep. for Gideon's uh, record label. And also in the opening title, there's one little shot of, uh, of that Triforce symbol, but it's made out of G's for Gideon Graves. Uh, and then Scott tells the story about, hey, do you know about Puckman? Uh, <laughs> they changed it to Pac-Man because here in America, they have people. Do you know Pac-Man? I know of Pac-Man. <laughs> right. That's a true story. That is real. Uh, his name was supposed to be Puckman, but here in the States, people would very quickly and easily change that P to an F. Yes. So they wanted to avoid that. Uh, okay. Exit. I also love the quotability of if you can remember all the T's that she names off. That's a very oh. funny line. Did you make some of those up? <laughs> That's she, straight out of the graphic oh, novel, too. And I don't know how many she listed. But it was like boom, 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 a bunch of them. Yeah. They had offered to like put it on a you know a paper for her, a cheat sheet because it was so so much. Uh, but she didn't want to do it. She wanted to actually learn it and do it the right way. So I wonder if she still can. Oh, probably not. She's done other things now, like Birds of Prey. Yeah. And the fantabulous some brother of Harley Quinn. The Harley emancipation <laughs> of one. Yeah, I haven't seen that movie. Go check it out. It's really good. Yeah. Yeah. So the X uh, X's are kind of represented everywhere. Uh, he has an X-Men patch on his jacket that he tears off. And I think in that same scene, like there's a bunch of like red lights and traffic lights and stuff behind him. And they all have X's on the signs. Um, that's everywhere. Here's a good one. Next time you watch it, See how often you can catch any of the actors blinking. Very, very little, especially Brie Larson. She almost never blinks. Um, Kim almost never blinks or shuts her eyes. This was intentional. This was yeah. a choice made by the director because they wanted it to sort of uh, match the anime style of the big eyes. Yeah. And if you go and watch that Zoom table reading that I mentioned earlier, one of the first things that Anna Kendrick says is, can we blink? <laughs> so that was the thing on set, I'm, I'm sure. That's funny. Uh, Scott wears a Fantastic Four shirt. Mm -hmm. This was because Chris Evans had played the Human Torch at this point. So that was a little ha-ha nod to that. And the fighting, some guys from Jackie Chan's stunt team train the cast and michael sarah talked about there was this instance where he got punched in the throat and he thought it would just be like this awful terrible thing and he said it really didn't hurt that bad because he'd sort of been trained up on all this stuff so if you know if you're looking to do fight scenes the people who work with jackie chan that's that's the way to go, that's the place to go. <laughs> and uh the last thing that i listed here uh bill Hader, who i just love bill Hader. he's have you seen Barry, by the way? Have you yeah. seen any of Barry? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Bill Hader was the voice of like the, uh, like the voiceover on the video game that, yeah. that Knives and Scott play. And I think yeah. he did a couple of things, but yeah, Bill Hader's doing all those voices. He's a big voice guy. He is. He is. I love Bill Hader from his SNL days with, you know, Stefan and, and the old newsman and all everything he does in SNL, the Californians yeah. uh, to 
breaking into the movies, being the cop in Superbad and doing Pineapple Express. That little bit at the beginning of Pineapple Express, he does. It's just great stuff. Um, Bill Hader could could do about anything, and I'm going to watch it. I agree. I have just a respect for his talent, for his career. Uh, He does something different in everything he does that sticks out to me. And I wish he did more, honestly. I wish he was in two or three movies a year, like a lot of people are, because I love Bill Hader. Did you see uh, uh, he did something with Amy Schumer? Trainwrecked? Trainwrecked with John Cena. Did you see it? LeBron plays his best friend. That's right. pretty funny in it. He's pretty good. That's definitely what people would call a chick flick. Yes. Um, I I think Becky and I went to see it or something in the theaters um i suggest people good. to watch train wreck and then immediately after that watch barry yeah barry is so good and mm-hmm. the Fonz is also in it henry winkler yeah. um it's a great show Definitely i mean and that's just like one of those things where you're like a hitman trying to become an actor you haven't really seen that trope before so it, it's new and it's it's interesting are there still only two seasons, or did yeah. they come out with a third? I've only heard. seen the first season, so I haven't heard anything about a season three. I'm I'm sitting here singing its praises, but I haven't even watched the whole thing. But what I have seen of it, I really really yeah. enjoyed. Yeah. But hey, man, that that's all I got on Scott Pilgrim. It's a lot. It was a lot. quite you, a bit. You did your due diligence in your homework, my friend? It, it did not match the Ghostbusters saga that we had a few months ago, <laughs> but you know that's a whole other story. Uh, yeah, I thought all that stuff was pretty interesting. That's Scott Pilgrim is a great movie, great story, great cast, unbelievable cast, especially considering where all those people are now. Oh, yeah. You know, Anna Kendrick playing that, you know, small role of the sister. She's a yeah. huge star. Yeah. Aubrey Plaza yeah. went on to do all the stuff she's done. Um, Michael Sarah, America. Michael Sarah is sort of one of those, like, you know, he's kind of got the one style, the one type of character that he plays, mm-hmm. but like Jesse Eisenberg, also kind yeah, of well, similar. I like Michael Cera a thousand times more than I like Jesse Eisenberg. The best thing Eisenberg's ever done was Social Network. Yes. No, Zombieland. Okay, but Zombieland. I don't think he's acting in it. <laughs> um, but uh, Michael Cera, the facial expressions and the timing and everything, so good. The small lines are just as delivering and funny as the diatribe lines. Um, the timing of each person's performance within the lines, fantastic. The physicality, like the yes. the quick look to the side and then do the, you know, mm. that stuff too. Um, the and that's quite essential, like anime and video game comic book stuff. Yeah. Like they really tapped into it really well. Um but also they did so well at this genre, at this niche, that as a whole, it didn't do well. Because as we said, it is a niche. Yeah. Um, where we talk multiple times in this podcast about nerd culture isn't a niche anymore. It's, it's main now. Within nerd culture, there are niches. Like uh, anime is a niche within nerd culture and this kind of movie, this kind of script, this kind of story, video games are a niche because you can be a massive nerd and not play video games. And I think it's also true that, you know, when this came out, this was sort of before the true like 
tidal wave of nerd stuff, you know, yeah. is in the mainstream every day. Yeah. Everybody loves it and knows it. Like, yeah, it was start like, you know, people were starting to wear superhero shirts a lot more and this and that and whatever. But like, if this movie had been done today, I wonder, would it be more successful? Probably because not. these things are a lot more common and mainstream. And, you know, like when we were little kids, if you were a huge Star Wars fan, you know, that was sort of like, oh, you're a Star Wars kid. You're a Star Wars nerd or whatever, you know, nerd. the old stereotypes of the kid with the glasses and the, uh, whatever. And the pocket protector. Uh, <laughs> and now, if you don't like Star Wars, you're the nerd, you know? Exactly. Things have changed so much. So, you know, it could be that it would have been a lot more successful in this day Probably. and age. But Probably. alas, yeah, we, we have it and we can uh, enjoy it. And people who haven't seen it should check it out. Yeah. Because they would love it. It's good yeah. stuff. Absolutely. Well, I've thoroughly enjoyed this. Nerds and Nerdettes, what do you think? Have you seen it? Have you not? If you haven't, you should. Um, especially if you consider yourself a nerd or a fan of any of this nerd culture, there will be something in this movie that sticks out to you that you enjoy, whether it's a sound effect or a certain character in it. It something out of this movie that will appeal to somebody, even if they think they won't like it. Or if you were like me and you were in a band with some of your buddies and you were just kind of, eh, you can relate to that. Exactly. And you know, Sex Bob-omb, they're they sound pretty good. Their lyrics are terrible. Take you for a ride on my garbage truck. I'll take you to the dump. Yeah. What a love song, baby. (laughs) Terrible lyrics, but they sounded okay. But it also tapped into that like garage band. Like those were the songs garage bands were playing. Like we are going to make it big on this garbage lyrics. (laughs) Like someone will find us. The leader of the band, like hyperventilating and panicking before every show. Like, why are you just standing there? What are we going to do? Good stuff. (laughs) uh definitely definitely uh glad that we finally got to do this um yes. you have definitely like i said you you'd put in the work bro and and i think uh i learned a lot from all of your i, your I learned tons it was, it was great um so i hope someone out there learned something new uh and if if we didn't mention something that you know is an easter egg or you know uh as he said he wasn't going to list 101 all 101 uh again a shout out to that youtube channel go subscribe to them 101 facts on youtube um and tell you know comment something that you heard it from 30 and 30 podcast this has been great uh next episode we are going to do something new we Started toying around in season two with a segment idea that is now going to be an episode. It's called Dreamcast. And the next one is going to be called Marauders. And it's basically us dreamcasting if they were to do what they should do and do a series based off of the Marauder years of young James and Lupin and Lily Lily Evans at the time. In the Harry Potter universe, when they were at school, that's that's the idea behind this show uh, idea. And I have floated around ideas, but this week I'm going to actually be sitting down and scrolling through people. Um, I will tell you, I'm going to go ahead and tell you the rule. We are not going to subscribe to they have to be European. An American can be in it. All right. That's fair. If, If they're perfect for the part, an American can be in it. So, so an American doing a British accent. Yes. 
Okay. Yes. But thanks for tuning in. Uh, before we close out, Juice, uh, have a good week, man. Uh, we will probably talk shortly after this via text <laughs> or tomorrow. Uh, this has been fun. I hope that you uh, get some good sleep and have a great day at work. Also, thank you again, Uncle Buck, for the uh, gift of the comic books. We mm-hmm. will treasure them always. And thank you for being a supporter uh, and, and a, a a good supporter unlike the the guy who uh was angry at us for uh making jokes about aragorn singing in his coronation and return of the king we love to hear from you unless you're that guy oh and if you send us gifts even better but i applaud that guy's fandom like he is in love so Applaud you know, I love Lord of the Rings just as much, if not more, than the next guy. I have Gandalf permanently imprinted <laughs> on my leg. Okay, I'm in pretty deep. I didn't get upset about it, so <laughs> just saying. Buck's one of the good ones. That He's guy. One. Can. I can't wait to do the show with you, Uncle Buck. I'll see you at rehearsal soon. Um, but for the rest of this, nerds, you are going to hear the W5 on 30 and Nerdy, where to find us, how to find us, all that fun stuff. And you all have a great evening, a great week. Stay classy, and cheers to you. Adios. You've been listening to the 30 and Nerdy podcast, brought to you by Advertising Expressions, Encore Theatrical Company, Tennessee Legend Distillery, and the Gatlinburg Brewing Company. 30 and Nerdy Podcast is a Bad Cast Company production, founder of the Council of Nerds. Survive the apocalypse by finding 30 and Nerdy Podcast along with other amazing shows at podchaser.com. Looking for more on the 30 and Nerdy Podcast? Check out the website, 30andnerdypodcast.com. There you'll find our directory. We're on TikTok, Twitter, Facebook. Instagram, and everywhere in between. To leave a voicemail, you can go to speakpipe.com slash 30andnerdypod, or you can leave an email, 30andnerdypod at gmail.com. Until next time, nerd up or shut up. Cheers to you, nerds. Matching insatiable hearts And I knew that One day we'd take this too far My misgivings Fade into nothing When I touch your skin And feel your heart Beat next to mine I'm not living If I don't have